This episode of Pots vs. Pete's was originally recorded March 25th of 2018. It was posted on April 22nd of 2018. This is your official spoiler warning. If you have not seen Ant-Man before, then you may want to before listening to our review because, I mean, like, the movie's a little better than listening to us talk. Like, come on, it's a... It's like an actual movie with like a beginning, middle, and end, and Paul Rudd. Like, come on, just go watch it. Watch it. Just watch it. Watch it. And we're here today to bring you a special episode of Pots vs. Pete's. The Marvelous Morons. That's right, folks. A very special episode uh, entitled Ant-Man, colon, the first one without the Wasp. Even though she's in it throughout the whole movie. Yep. Ant-Man, the not the first Avenger, like the 20th Avenger. The 18th and a, he, he, he doesn't even make it to Avenger in this one. No, he's not. He beats or up spoiler a, alert, he, in the next one he's in, he's also not a, an Avenger. No. Or spoiler alert, in the one after that, he's still not an Avenger. And that's not happening. Just <laughs> <laughs> no. like, there's no way he's not going to be in the third movie. All right, all right, whatever, whatever. Speaking of the third movie... Uh, I do believe uh, you know the synopsis. Uh, I actually that was do know what the uh, third, released third Avengers you, right? movie is going to be. So, a young Peter Parker is trying to join a fraternity, um, and due to his upbringing, he tends to get. He was he used to be like his parents used to be alumni, but now he's not actually getting into any of the good fraternities. Um, and finds a really good one. It's a kind of on the odd side of town that they have their own little special building. Um, that's run by Tony, the Iron Man, Stark. And Ken and Steve, the Captain Rogers. Um, together, these bad, weird bunch of outcasts are known as the Avengers House. Wow. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. With Are with, they on double secret probation from Thanos? Thanos puts them on double secret probation from the beginning of the movie, and it's up to Bluto, the Hulk, to save them all. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I'd watch that. I would watch I, why that. Why not? Like, that sounds like so much fun, to be honest. Like, just these, a bunch of, like, the college versions of all these, like, Avengers characters. Because you know, like, Steve Rogers would be the boring one. Like, he'd be, like, the one in the movie that's, like, worried about them getting great good grades. And, like, uh-huh. Tony Stark would just be, like, Otter, who just tries to sleep with everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Peter Parker would definitely be Pinto, for sure. Or Flounder. Who would be Flounder? I feel like someone needs to be Flounder. Ant-Man? Ant-Man's... Scott Lang is Flounder. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Yes. All right. Turns out he is in the third movie. I lied. Like, he's totally in this one. He's Flounder. There you go. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get focused then and talk about the actual movie of Ant-Man. The first time I saw this, the first and only time up until DVD, I watched this... um, my friend was uh, previewing the movie at the movie theater, and that's when I watched it. I didn't pay to see this movie. I just saw it there with a couple of our other friends. We had a good time, and that was it. 
Okay, nice. I, I don't have any stories from when I saw it. I just went to a theater and watched it. So uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah I see. I, I feel like I had to bring that up because I don't know if I would have paid money to see this at the end of the day. Interesting. Okay. But, well, that, that's a that's a little hint of things to come uh, from this. So uh, I I do believe it's your turn to do the the actual synopsis for Ant Man. Yes, I can. Uh, so Scott Lang, an ex-convict, is given a second chance at life when scientist Hank Pym gives Lang a special suit with powers to shrink in order to pull off a heist that will save the world. And then. That's the synopsis. That's what happens in the... I mean, do you want me to tell you what happens in the rest of the movie? The, yes, the heist, please. The heist sort of goes wrong, but it goes right because they <laughs> saved the world. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, then that is on our way, or that should lead us to the good. So I do believe it's my turn to to do the goods indeed. Uh, first. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so this... I. It seems like this is becoming a, a gradual uh, thing that I'm talking about now, uh, because last week uh, we had uh, Avengers 2, and the CGI was pretty darn good in that, I thought. And this week, I thought the CGI is really cool. And this one was kind of unique, because it wasn't like they were trying to strive for a realistic CGI. It kind of felt like its own world of, like, like not quite realistic and not quite cartoon, but like this kind of interesting mix where... Like, it looked tangible and stuff like that, but it also looked a little more colorful and dynamic than it would usually in real life, uh, something like that. And, and, and it gave it gave the movie an interesting character, I thought. Um, anytime we we miniaturize uh, the world, that's usually when you, you saw these things. And, like, Thomas the Tank Engine was a really good choice uh, for that ending fight scene because like it was really colorful and like the face is weird and it looked great in in that cgi world and then when they blew it up as well and, and it crashes through the house i'm sure that was practical uh they probably built a real life thomas the tank engine train which is great and uh yeah i think it's a very interesting look of a movie probably one of the more interesting ones other than uh gardens of the galaxy is probably the only one that looks more fresh and dynamic and good as this movie does my second point is i love uh paul rudd's charisma and overall i think all actors are really well uh cast and do their job quite well i i end up liking every one of the heist guys and uh michael douglas is great and stuff like that and and uh and michael douglas's daughter i i thought she was a great dynamic i've never seen her in anything else have you because i could have sworn she like quit acting or something like that and came back no, um, I'd seen her in a lot of other stuff. Uh, she was really famous for Lost, the TV show back in the day. Oh, um, right. Yeah, So yeah. she was awesome in that. Uh, she was in those bad Hobbit movies. Um, but it wasn't bad in those, but no, through no fault of her own. Uh, but right. I'd, like, see, I'd seen her in other stuff, but she kind of, like, after Lost, she no, kind of, I like... Thought, yeah, I thought after Lost is when she was going to quit acting, and this came up, and she was just like, okay. I don't know if she like, like. I think that. she had done other stuff besides that, but um, after okay. Lost. But I think this was like the first big one that she did besides The Hobbit. That like were the big, I guess, for lack of a better term, comeback. Um, right. Was this? Yeah. She's great, and I've never seen Lost, so. But I liked her in this. This is good. Uh, this was a that was an interesting character too of somebody that's capable and willing to do the job, but like you know, is 
completely uh what's the word uh forbidden to do it by her father uh mostly because she had to play a different role with the heist stuff and also because uh he doesn't want her daughter to die type things uh stealing uh technology from other people so that's why they get some other scumbag to do it and that scumbag is paul rudd and it's that was a good choice my third point is they explore a different side of the mcu that's not quite the underworld but uh still like lower crime stuff it's it's not we're not dealing with superheroes and we're not dealing with ordinary people it's criminals but it's not like the underbelly you know gangster world it's just people that are trying to uh just get some extra uh, harmless scores and uh and getting money that way so it's it's an interesting uh place to be and an interesting tightrope they have to walk of making them uh sympathetic and also uh likable uh you know even though they're criminals more or less yeah i i agree with that too and i like that hank pym exists in this universe but like wasn't a huge like they didn't have to do a bunch of wink wink nudge nudges in like previous movies of, oh did you hear about hank pym like it's just he's another scientist in this movie yep. and he has nothing he none of them want anything to do with the superheroics of the avengers um he's he's and i'll get to my goods later with him but um he's like a diff he's not a tony stark um and it feels like most of the scientists in this movie these movies have been like have to kind of act like tony stark and be way more flashy whereas like you have this world of like yep this is just kind of something happened in a business and the avengers almost have nothing to do with it uh and right yeah except for that one little scene where Paul Rudd, um, Scott Lang, tries to break in to steal a part from the Avengers, you could have gotten rid of that, and this would have like been its own standalone movie. Totally fine, and it's nice. Do you, Do you think they should have done that, or? Uh, I. It makes sense for like the later movies of how they know about um, Paul Rudd's character, and that scene yeah. was enjoyable. Uh, but I don't. It, it wasn't necessary if that makes any sense like yeah you could have cut that out and nothing would have happened you could just like, like i'm sure the avengers could have heard about the fact that you know the pym industries or whatever it was called you know imploded and just like they heard rumors that people were turning smaller or something like that yeah and, and then you like, could have that had, could have worked you could have had the fun thing of one of the avengers is like trying to figure it out and then just like knows the right like then you have like another one of those great gossip scenes where it's like the uh where um, I think his name is Michael Pina. Um, his that's the actor's name. Where his character is like basically trying to tell stories of how he heard about like certain thieving news through the grapevine. Like those scenes mm -hmm. were great. I could have yeah, easily fantastic. had something tie into that that didn't have to be one of them already knew about Ant Man existing. Right. So. But yeah, at the same time, I see other arguments too because it was a really fun scene to watch uh, ant-man fight uh falcon yeah and it totally so. made sense and it was a lot of fun of that oh yeah this is a totally abandoned building oh no it's not it's avengers headquarters now well, <laughs> yeah that was a great reveal yeah that was is, a great great nice one. yeah nice touch too that how out of touch hank pym is with the goings on of things <laughs> yeah. and like he doesn't realize that all the avengers are not in new york anymore they're in upstate new york it's like oh <laughs> crap <laughs> like that's a lot of fun <laughs> what what was the exact line? Because I just loved uh, Paul Rudd's delivery of that. I it's don't just, like. It's not. It's not abandoned. You idiot. I don't remember <laughs> yeah, what it was. But it's it was... essentially just like cussing Hank Pym out, and Hank Pym's kind of like, "Oh, get out of there!" It's like, "What?" Just abandoned the equivalent of ship, abandoned. This the equivalent of I've made a huge mistake. Like <laughs> that, was, that was a good scene. Yes. All right. Uh, 
on to your goods. Okay. Um, so I, I'll get to do this one first. Um, so I touched a little bit, but I really like Hank Pym. Um, I, which I turned, I like Michael Douglas because that dude is salty and it is great. Yeah. It's such a unique thing. Cause everybody else has been wisecracking funny and it's just fun to have somebody who's just like, I don't want to do with any of this. Like, you right. know, he doesn't want to be here or do any he's, of this stuff. He's a like, cranky old man. Yeah. He's you know. a cranky old man and it's great. Like, I mean, I'm sure Michael Douglas wants to be there. He looks like he's having a blast, but uh-huh. Hank Pym, the character, is just, like, does not want to be there at all. And it's so, inter- like, it's so nice that he's not, and he's, he's still sarcastic, but it's, like, that dry sarcastic where he's not trying to be funny to other characters. He's trying to insult you, and that's his goal. Yeah. He doesn't care if it comes off as funny. He cares if, he cares that you feel like an idiot afterwards. Um, so, and then Paul Rudd, like you said, is charming as hell, and, like, of course, he became a superhero. Like, Paul Rudd just seems like the most charming human being on the planet yeah. like and, and it, such, works. it was such an interesting choice because you would never think of paul rudd as a superhero yeah but when like, they announced this it's like yeah that makes sense like yeah. he's a i guess like because for so long we were like thinking like muscly superheroes and like these movies have kind of like helped prove it's like no that's not really what we're looking for is for especially for scott lang who yeah you've already said has like an uphill struggle in terms of character balance of he's a convict and totally went to jail but and like yeah and just and not not justifiably went to jail, but he did break the law and that's hundred percent what happened. And he kept doing burglaries after that happened. Um, so he definitely was should like by like definition of the law should have gone to jail. But the one he got busted for was, and started his whole career of doing this was a legitimately decent thing. So you have that like nice little balance, but he's just super charming. And I love the weird father son relationship. Those two have, because it works, and, like, this movie's a lot of the theme is pretty much about how becoming the person you want to be and making sure that you are the person you need to be for your children. Um, and it works, that dynamic of uh, Hank Pym and Scott Lang works really well. Um, and it's the same with the dynamic of um, Hank Pym and his daughter. It's kind of like a what would happen if Scott Lang didn't actually, not, not, did not uncare about his daughter, but if he wasn't around for her and like shut her out um, by either going back to jail again or doing crimes and like, you know, not actually being able to get to Sears, like that's what could easily happen is, you know, his daughter's at the exact right age where she can, when, once she gets disappointed by something that heartbreaking of my dad actually isn't a hero, that lingers. Um, and you mm-hmm. can see it in hope and how long it's taken for those two to like, it takes for those two to like actually be okay with each other's existence. Um, so I appreciate that dynamic yeah. between all of it them. It was a really interesting dynamic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it worked and it was, it was kind of nice that like, it wasn't overbearing, but at the same time, didn't, wasn't like non-existent. Like for example, in Avengers 2, Hawkeye has kids, but we don't know or learn anything about them. Like they right. just exist to like, be like, oh, Hawkeye had a secret double life. And it turns out he lives on a farm, uh, with children and a wife. It's like, oh, or girlfriend, I guess, whatever. It's like, oh, no, crazy. it's definitely a wife. I think that was the joke of that movie is that he was saying he doesn't have a girlfriend. Oh, no, know, that part was the wife. joke. But like, okay. you never explore anything beyond the sure. joke. It's a surface level joke where it's here. The whole family dynamic and having the kid um, Cassidy is important to the whole story itself. Right. You couldn't have yeah. the story without that. That's what exactly. gets Scott Lang to be able to do any of the stuff he does is I need to be a hero 
And they even say in the line, too, is like, don't save the world for us, save it for them. Like, mm-hmm. they're what matters. And that's a nice little refreshing thing from all these superhero movies, which are very much not, don't really, none of these characters have families. Um, and if they do, they're always older. They're almost never children. Um, so I thought that was a nice little difference. Yeah, this guy's a daddy. And yeah, and he's going to save father. the world and, for the future. Yeah, and that becomes an important part of his character because that becomes an important part of your life, right? Once you have a kid, that's a huge life-changing definition of who you are as a person. And it's nice that the movie actually followed up on that and actually made that part of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So I also liked how inventive this movie was with its shrinking yeah. powers. Uh, yes. That was a blast. And it could have... It could have easily been just something dumb where he just shrinks somewhere and then pops up, punch people, shrinks to, like, hide. But instead, you know, they use the shrinking powers on other objects. Like, you mentioned Thomas the Tank Agent game big. And we mm-hmm. got the great scene where this is giant climactic battle between Scott Lang and, like, the villain who's also in a shrinking suit. And then yeah. they're, like, on the train tracks of this Thomas the Tank Agent thing. And it looks so epic from that view. But, like, the, every once in a while it'll cut out to, like, a normal view. And you'll just see, like, little tiny, like, lights happening. And just, like, nothingness. Like, right. nothing happens. Because, like, in this huge epic battle is all in context. If you just, like, look at the normal person's view, it just looks like nothing. And at one point, one of, like, one of them gets run over by the Thomas the Tank Engine thing. And we see it from our view, and it's just, the tank engine just looks looks like it hits nothing, and it falls over. And that's it. <laughs> it's so much fun. Or, like, you know, when he shrinks and goes to, like, different layers of his, like, apartment building, and, like, ends up hitting the, like, club area, and then, like, hits the bathtub, and then goes through a vacuum, and then finds a giant monster rat that is just a regular-sized rat, but because he's so small, it's horrifyingly Godzilla-sized. Like, it's little things like that that make this movie stand out and it's a lot of fun having that uniqueness to it yes um uh, i i and that i yeah uh, i think that uh uh goes along with like the world that they build that's very unique to the mcu like this has a very own distinct character compared to the rest of of any of the other movies Right. And it, and it feels fleshed out in full. That's an important thing. Yes. And then it's it's not just a gimmick. This is part of the movie is we're going yeah. to we're going to play with proportions and size. You're just going to have to accept that. And like we're and right. like, you know, going to different universes or realms or whatever like that when he shrinks down to like beyond like at, in between atom size. So he's like smaller than atoms kind of thing, um, which right. is fun and interesting idea, too. Um and then I like that this movie, it's still a superhero movie, and a little bit too much at times, but at the same time, this movie is very primarily a heist movie. Um, there are superpowers and stuff like that involved, and it gets caught in some of the trappings of being a superhero movie, but at mm-hmm. its core, it's a heist movie, and I love that. Um, right. It has its middle section, we'll get to later, that like catches up a little bit too much in the superhero part, but... A lot of it is built upon, it's built like a heist movie where it's all built on one heist and how that heist ends up working and what parts of the heist work and what parts don't and all that stuff. And it's a nice change of pace, especially from Avengers 2, which was so convoluted and confusing and terrible and like too many storylines going on. Coming to a nice, simple robbery movie is awesome. Um, Yeah. And I appreciate that like this movie just felt unique. In that. I will say that I wish it would have gone further with that. In Agreed. The, in the way, like, uh, Mission Impossible uh, yeah. Ghost Protocol, like, was really 
all about that and like things don't work the way they're supposed to and um and like there's all these little hiccups in between the high stuff to make it more visually interesting and i agree that i like that this is a heist movie and stuff like that and there was hiccups like the guy uh didn't push the space bar before uh he told him to jump off type thing i wish there was more of that and a lot more uh creativity with that yeah and like using but i feel like all the creativity went to to that climactic uh small battle which i am okay with uh because that was also great yeah, it had to kind of deal with the fact that this movie had too many had more of things than being just a heist movie. Like inherently, it has to deal with like trying to get the audience to understand about like how they can like you know superpowers and all that stuff. Where a regular heist movie never has to deal with that at all. Um, right. So it's it's kind of something that I can understand why it wasn't more of a heist movie, but I will appreciate that it went as hard as it did in the heist part, and the heist itself wasn't like. 20 minutes the heist itself was a long part of this movie um from setting up all the players to planning it out to actually executing it that heist was a big chunk of the movie and i'm so glad it was yeah all right well it is your turn to go on first to the bads uh okay all right the bads um so i mentioned this a little bit earlier when I said I'll get to this, um, but in in being a superhero movie, the middle part of it is very slow. Uh, yeah. It's interesting, but slow and kind of repetitive of every other origin story and every other learning how to use your superpower story. It's it's just kind of, yeah, it's just kind of too bad when the movie was pretty like I wouldn't say faster paced at the beginning, but like it was it was moving at a pretty brisk pace and like you know laying down like it was giving you time to recognize what new happened but it wasn't like you know wallowing and trying to like te- like you know take you baby steps whereas like the middle part is definitely slow um and that was a little bit of a bummer because we could have sped that up and used that extra time to do more heist stuff um so this one you kind of meant you end up kind of sort of mentioning this one um and it's kind of a little bit of a problem i have with the movie Hope doesn't really do much in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and the movie and, knows it um, and gives you a legitimate reason of why she doesn't. I don't think it was because, like, um, I don't think it was any sort of, like, sexist reason of, like, women can't be heroes. Because clearly she's right. by far the most competent in every way, shape, and form in this movie. The most competent emotionally, the most competent, like, in her skill set and what she wants out of life. She's by far the most, like, put-together person in this whole movie. But on the other hand... And the reason why she doesn't do stuff is legitimate, too, right? Hank Pym doesn't want his daughter to die, um, so he gives this suit to And a... also, she does have to be that secret, you know, uh, double agent type thing. Yeah, that... so she has a role, too. It's just she doesn't yeah. do as much in because of... And again, and, and even the movie, like, at the very end of the end credits when they show the suit and her, like, her response to that is, it's about damn time. I feel like that's right. exactly the movie being like we're sorry don't worry <laughs> she's like she's gonna actually be able to do stuff and like get ready because she's actually gonna be able to do it really really well so Side question uh, is the same director for this movie doing the sequel yes yep okay. still peyton reed so there you go he got to play with wasp eventually yeah ex- yeah <laughs> and he eventually got to play with um that character yeah so he she but that's still a little bit of a burn on the movie i was like well you yeah. have this really interesting character she didn't get to do much um and it's just like we already have another character that's 
get that can go many anyways so like why not a third one yeah like know? why or yeah like why not have her be able to do it too or like have a big dramatic reveal of she you know defies her dad and finds out that there's a suit and steals and uses yeah that, why like, does she need to wait for her dad's permission to go for it i don't think but she knows to be fair she doesn't suit. know the suit um, exists I, she didn't I in the context of the movie she didn't know there was another suit and they do say we have to finish fixing it uh because it's not done yet so yeah. but I mean that could have easily been like oh yeah the suit's totally done and sitting there um waiting for like to be used and was gonna get used by her mother and then just never did um right so and this one the third one is kind of an odd moment uh so Darren Cross isn't that bad of a villain um, or yellow jacket or whatever you want to call him is he's, he's a skeezy slimy businessman and it kind of works sure. in this movie because the movie's not about him in any way shape or form he's just yeah the field to get it forward but at times they make him sympathetic and i kind of confused as to why there's no see reason go why on. um uh-huh. and it's just kind of like he works better as this slimy businessman who got snubbed by hank pym but took it way too personally and then because of that, like, start doing bad things, like, you know, selling this technology to essentially Hydra of, like, you know, the Nazis. Um, and right. then using it to bank, using it to get a little bit of money off of it. Like, that's okay. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of odd that they're trying to make him sympathetic. And then they try and, like, do it in the weirdest way. Um, so, right. one, so at the point when they're in, they all get, so part of the, the heist goes wrong. And uh, all the main characters are trapped in the in this like essentially this vault with Darren Cross, who's got a gun, like and he's got his armed guns with goons with him, and he's got a gun, and he's like pointed at them and hopes like it's the pin particles or like the the particles that make you smaller. They're messing with your brain, and I had to be like, oh, no, he was always crazy. Like right. what, don't don't try and go backwards on this. That dude was psycho from the beginning. Yeah, um, that never comes back ever. No, you know, it's either. just such so an offline. Like, it's like, was she trying to like trick him? I, yeah. I guess maybe, but like, I don't know. But or like, they they played it straight. I, I was pretty confused if, about that line. Yeah, they were playing it straight as if he was like, that's literally was causing him crazy. I'm like, no, no, no. He barely had anything to do with those particles. He wasn't like in the like getting tested with them right next to his face and like absorbing right. that or anything like that. He was it's just not like he's wake up in the middle of the night going back to formula. Yeah, or like, yeah, there's none of that. He's he's the businessman in charge of this, and he's doing some of the formula, but he's not the one who's testing all of it. Um, so it's like, yeah, so why are they you trying to make him sympathetic? Like, boo, just just have your skeezy villain. Just let him be skeezy. That's so much more fun. Um, just let him be a, yeah, a that could have 80s businessman. That's a blast. And that could have worked a lot better that way. I think. Yeah. Oh, and just I, go hard into him being just slimy. That's would just been so much more fun. Uh, so I will say there's an extra fourth one. Um, there's an okay. aunt, there's an aunt named Anthony that dies, and I was so right. sad when that happened. Like far more upset than I probably oh. should have been. And oh, I I was gonna feel the opposite. I thought that was a weird moment that should have been a lot more sad than it was. It was just kind of like oh, it was. I also have like a extra fondness for almost every single animal so it's kind of like a uh-huh. little bit more like extra sympathy than i think most people would have for an ant so i was just like oh like well, i think they go it was... to the trouble of naming this particular ant and giving it a personality and then when it dies it's just like antony 
okay, I'm gonna fly on another ant now, and yeah. like nothing. That was nothing. It's just like, well, why just play it up if you had that moment and you want to do that moment play it up they like, kind of like yeah they kind of like almost forget about him too like yeah. at one point i would have loved if like you know paul Rudd was in that climactic battle and punches darren cross is like this is for antony and punches him in the face like that would have been awesome or like even just a little callback of like yep i didn't forget about that and existed within like five seconds of him dying because i you remember know what i would have loved the most if, yeah, if I remember they did like a little the burial sure for him in the backyard that. what'd you say I like I remember that like you know like his death resonated with me but you're right the movie didn't care at all I was like oh. uh, I didn't I didn't even remember he named an ant so oh, that but... was a kind of a pleasant surprise going back to this but yeah they killed him off and I'm just like really you didn't like that's probably the reason why I forgot about it because they didn't they didn't play that up like I felt they should have yeah they should have uh, played it harder uh, for sure I, I and. Uh, I don't know if you heard me a few seconds ago. We were kind of talking over each other, but I think they should have had a little grave for him in the backyard uh, with a little headstone. Oh, that would have been so adorably sad. That's like so morbidly <laughs> sad, but at the same time, I was like, oh, I don't know how to feel about I would, that. I would love Michael Douglas, Hank Pym to come in and just like, we're not doing this for every single ant that dies. You know that, right? <laughs> he's like, he's like, if he tries to put the number on the grave, so he's like, come on, man. Like, his name was Anthony, and he kind of, like, yeah, Michael Douglas is like, fine. <laughs> and just, like, writes the name Anthony on there. He's like, yeah, we're not doing this for every single Ant, and walks away. Like, that would have hit, like, that nice comedic point where it's also being, like, sad at the same yeah. time. That, like, that, what this movie can do well um, when it hits the right points is it can be emotional but also funny. And, like, yeah, that would have been a more solid thing of, like, you would have gotten the fact that maybe maybe Hank Pym slightly was upset, but like at the same time, he's like he's so salty, he just can never show it. Like, no, right. we're not doing this. <laughs> we're not doing this for every single Ant. Uh, you okay? I think we kind of had uh, three mutual points a little bit then, because really? that that well, the Antony thing, I forgot to write that down, but that actually was uh, I had a fourth point, and I I forgot what it was, and I just assumed it was. Uh, elaborating on one of the other points I had, but yeah, it was that Antony scene where I was just like, why didn't they go up on that? Um, uh, the villain, I, I think I have more criticisms with a, it's just weird, like weird. I, I don't know, a weird middle ground for a villain. Like they give a little bit of backstory and sympathy points to him, but he's still like a really boring one dimensional villain in some ways. And it was, like, kind of a weird choice, I thought, to to try to have both. I think you needed to lean on hard on one or the other in order for him to work. And I think a sleazy uh, businessman villain would have worked. In some ways, uh, the Hammer, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Sam Rockwell's Justin Hammer would have been the better villain for this movie yeah. rather than the Iron Man 2. So, yeah, like... For sure. So like this is an interesting like uh, problem that this movie has because he's not he's not one dimensional enough for me to call him one dimensional, but he's not fleshed out or interesting enough for me to say that he's not a boring villain. So overall, I'm gonna say he's a boring villain, and I didn't exactly like him. And the, the oddest thing, and like maybe this was calling back to the fact that he must have some kind of mental damage, but. He goes into this long presentation about what this yellow jacket thing is, right? And then when he's done, the guy at the end is just like, oh, it's a suit. And then he gets this, like, really, like, offended look from him calling it a suit. 
And he's just like, it's more than a suit type thing. It's power or whatever his line was. And I was just like, why is he so offended that he called it a suit? Like, I didn't mean the guy wasn't interested. Yeah, like, and then he, like, st- some guy's like, I don't know if I'm buying yet. So he stalks him in a bathroom and then turns him into jelly and then flushes him down the toilet. Like, I do believe that's the same guy, yeah. Yeah, it's that same guy. And it's like, okay, so were you doing vindictive for that? Like, okay, so, like, at that point, it's like, okay, whatever sympathies you may have had for this guy is, like, clearly gone because yeah, that's such a weirdly skeezy move. It's like, yeah, why would we ever be sympathetic about somebody that does that? Especially when you've given us yeah. nothing to be sympathetic about beforehand. Like, if they uh-huh. tried to, like, have a give, yeah, like, a more of a unique backstory, like, something that we cared about him, and then he did something like that, okay, maybe you can roll with it. But, like, that's one of the first things we see him do. And it's like, okay, so he's a he's a skeezy villain. Great. And then he tries to, like, they try and make him sympathetic after that happens, and after he, like, kills the lamb by having all mm-hmm. the tests happen to the lamb, it's like, oh, wait... Well, yeah, you're trying to have your cake and eat it, too. You can't do and that. And, by baby. the way, that lamb thing wouldn't happen uh, because, I guess, uh, white mice are, like, the only animals that are legally allowed to be tested on, which is why scientists keep testing on them, even though it has, like, no scientific value compared to humans. No, not really. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to get grants on um, mammals and vertebrates, for sure. But the reason there's, like, about five or six i want to say um animals i get routinely tested on all the time um it's because is one of them sheep one of those is mice um so any mammal you want to get tested is almost always a mouse right because the genetics and the genome of a mouse is so mapped out to like to the dot and okay. because they're they have a short lifespan um very quick generation time so you don't have to wait for it to grow up um uh-huh. it will have its whole it will grow up to maturity very quickly um, and then be able to reproduce fast so you can have lots of them. And if you need right to on. test the effects of something, it will happen much more quickly than like a lamb or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, so that's why mice are testing. I, I, I got my information off of uh, uh, Adam Ruins Everything episode. Yeah, so that's definitely not. Like... Nope, definitely not true. Um, I mean, it's what? it's harder to do. What's uh, not true? Uh, you that it's illegal to do it on other animals it's definitely yeah way... because they have the, they're uh, protected mostly from like right. other it's, it's not i'm not saying that white mice are the only uh animals that are tested on but sheep you're not going to test on a sheep that he would not have been legally allowed to test on a sheep yeah you could find ways of doing it if you were able to like legitimately say there's something in a sheep that is not in a mouse that uh-huh. would be able to is more similar to what humans have because mice uh-huh. are pretty close genetically, but it's not, it's definitely not a, like, a one-on, one-to-one ratio right, right, like right. that. So, but if there was something that was in a sheep that it wasn't in a mouse, you could probably make your case. But for this right. experiment, he was just doing it because no, of this. No, it's literally just doing the sheep just because it's a cuter animal. Yeah, and because and, he's a psychopath. And it makes him more evil killing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Which is why yeah. you're like, okay, so why are you trying to make him have sympathy after he does something like that? It's like right why okay weird yeah very odd choices and all that stuff um with the villain in regards to that yeah it's just like weird reactions weird choice of animals to kill like just like overall weird decision so uh my next point uh has uh similar to do with uh with the pacing issues you were talking about at the middle of the movie and i think just in general this editing of this movie is like weirdly jarring and it feels very choppy at points. 
to me, the montage was the biggest offender, that mon- training montage. Like, it would go from, like, whoa, we're going to do this stuff with these ants to, like, you know, funny point. Like, as if it was an exclamation point of that of that uh, current sequence. And, like, one time they did it, that's funny. But then they kept doing it a couple more times after that. And I just felt like it was killing the pace of the montage to me. Um, I, I, I felt like that was the biggest offender. Uh, also, like, the bad guy was showing this, like, showing these videos... Uh, demonstrating what the suits can do and what they're going to do with the suits. And that whole sequence felt a little weird and off to me. Uh, in general, it feels like a lot of these scenes like kind of missed uh, important details that would flow or make the sequence flow a little better, and they just cut it out for either time or whatever. Um, so I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, point. And then my first or third point at this point, because I just went backwards... Uh, I some of the uh, comedy didn't work for me. Uh, one especially was the scene where he, where Hank Pym and uh, Hope were having some kind of uh, dramatic moment, and then Paul Rudd kind of cuts in and is just like, "Is this the wrong time? Okay, I, this is probably not the right moment or something like that." And like that that, oh, that felt was like it kind awful. of awful. Yeah, that yeah, was that really so bad. Under- I was like, "What are you doing, movie? Like, have an earnest moment, like." It's that's kinda, what i'm saying yeah and i oh go on okay i was to say it's too bad and like i like these marvel movies but it's too bad that it's like the trend started happening not with this movie but like i don't know when they start picking up the idea that you can't have earnest emotion in right. these movies but like that's a that's indicative of a huge thing that these movies will have in the future too is that like earnest moments can't be left earnest um and which is the bathos we were talking about guards of the galaxy and how that one makes it work but at the same time this it's still happening and it's just driving yes. me nuts and it's just oh i just so, not a fan i i think at this point uh, in the career of these mcu movies i let um guardians of the galaxy slide with a lot of it but i think at this point is kind of where i where at least past kirk who knows Oh, how I'll respond to these next movies uh, nowadays. But past me, like, really started disliking these things. Because it feels, to me, it feels slightly cynical that they're not trying to make a serious movie out of Ant-Man. Like, it's just like, it's a ludicrous concept and nobody will take it seriously. So we have to make it a comedy. And it's like, I don't think so, guys. Like, I think it could be done. Uh, to And to be fair, that's more of a nitpick for this movie. Because I enjoy uh, this movie for what it is. Uh, but I think in general, uh, that's kind of the tone that Marvel seems to keep taking uh, with these movies. And I think this is the big turning point of when they're just like, oh, uh, we're going to do a weird character that nobody's ever heard of for the next Marvel movie. So it's automatically going to be a comedy now. And yeah. Yeah. It's just like, a... just try Just play with your cards. Just try to make a serious movie out of it that has fun moments. Like, you know, none of them needs to be the Dark Knight. They can all be Indiana Jones, but nonetheless, just, you know, play those emotions up. Yeah, I mean, they could even be comedies, but good comedies know when not to do a joke and when to do a joke. Right. So, it, yeah, like, all the best, like, the best comedies of all time, like, know when to, like, this isn't the part where I make a joke. And it's kind of too bad, because, yeah, I'm okay with this movie being a comedy, but you're right. You need to let the emotions actually happen. Otherwise, it, it kind of just stops feeling like it's, it's it feels kind of cheap 
Um, right. And I never really felt like this movie was super cheap, but it's getting, it almost gets close to that. Right. So that's, to me, this is where I put my flag in the sand, and this is the turning of point of when they start really doing that uh, in all these movies. And uh, I'll be less forgiving. Maybe not. Maybe I'll watch these movies and be like, okay, those comedic points uh, actually do work. We'll see when I when I get to them um, for these second viewings for the most part. But but that's that to me, like for the most part, the comedy in this movie works. We were just talking about how funny that Avengers reveal was great. Uh, that jo- uh, blowing up the uh, that one ant and also uh, Thomas the Tank Engine train. Uh, oh yeah, that was those were both funny. Um, what what else was really great? Uh, the, uh, you're full of crap, Scott and and, and Paul Rudd's just like, yep, <laughs> yeah. Um, that was uh, that was great delivery. Michael Pena's character with like all those like him trying to like talk about how yes, like those were genius, and I oh, thought for sure so much were fun. leftovers from Edgar Wright's ideas, nope. but actually was not. Uh, Will sent us an article saying uh, that was not. Uh, that that was all made up by the current f- filmmaker uh, Peyton Reed. Yeah, and it's all it's so well done too. Cause like I've, there's other been ones that have gossipy moments, but like having it like play out and like stop and he goes into the wrong details. And whenever he, whenever the other character tells, you know, in the montage like tells something, it's with the same act Michael Pena's voice. So like when one point yes. it's a woman, but it sounds like cause it's just with Michael Pena saying what Michael Pena says. Because he's like telling this approximately what happened using that those people like it's so well done and it's just like this is I want I wish more of the comedy was that well structured and that well thought out was just great yeah uh that that was that, and then of course the biggest reveal of Stan Lee doing the voice was the best that was really funny yeah that was a good so, one too I, overall the comedy works in this movie but there's a lot of points where I think it undercuts uh, some other emotional elements they could have had uh, yeah, because they tried, sure. tried to make it too funny. Um, so there you go. Are we on our way to do the rating then? Yes, we are. All right, folks, just to remind you, a one rating means you hate it. Two stars means you don't like it. Three stars means you like it, okay? Four means you really like it, and five stars means you love it. It's one of your favorites. Um, so, Mr. Potabom, or is it my turn to go first on the radio? It rating? doesn't matter. Um, Does not matter. Would you I, like to lead the way? Yeah, I could do that. Um, I would give this a solid 3.75. Uh, it was Fair. great. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, it wasn't the best movie and definitely not the best in this group but that doesn't mean it wasn't good um right and it's a really good palate cleanser after the insanity and terribleness of two that we just get a simple nice somewhat well-structured movie that actually knows what it wants to be about um right that is refreshing so yeah and, and it's a nice scaled movie you know it's yes like, it's not too big it's not too small like it's a, a little adventure like that uh, with that said, I probably have the exact same sentiment as you, uh, but for whatever reason, my ratings tend to go lower, uh, and this rating is no exception. I'll, I'll give this one about a three. Uh, okay. I think it's an etiquette, well-done movie. Or, sorry, etiquette. Adequate. Adequate, well-done movie. And, um, you know, it's just fine for what it is, and it, it knows exactly what it is, and it is what it is. And 
to me, that's just great. If you really like this movie, then it's your cup of tea, then you can go ahead and love it all you want. It's just, you know, it was like I said earlier in the podcast, I don't think this would have, would have been a movie I would have ever seen uh, a second time. This is just, you know, a just fine movie that was a fun adventure and not much more to it, you know. Yeah, it's it's a, like I said, I it's just a fun little enjoyable movie that I can just you can pretty much just watch and just you can you know not turn your brain off, but it's just kind of one of those like yep, I know I don't have to like you know find a Wikipedia article to figure out what's happening and like you know yeah. and I know it's not gonna be something that's like gonna make me think about life um, afterwards. I it just it's a fun little movie and it's I a fun enjoy. movie. It's a nice adventure. It makes you feel happy at the end. Yeah, I didn't get to talk about this at all, but my favorite shot of the movie is um, right after uh, he defeats the bad guy and uh, he comes back from the subatomic level and he uh, uh, the cops are coming in and they're, you know, hugging uh, the, his daughter and like being like, are you okay? Are you okay? Type thing. And she looks back and Ant-Man's already an ant size and he's has this shadow making him look big and then he does like a, a salute or a wave or something like that and it flies off like uh, Peter Pan does. And I was like, that really makes me happy for some reason. I really love that shot. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely not a movie that wants to mire down in any sort of sadness. Like, it's it's definitely a very upbeat, positive movie, which is nice yeah. to have. Would you like to know some of Will's notes? So, fun fact about this second viewing of it. I watched it with uh, Ethan and Will, and I, uh, I passed out. I was so tired when I went and watched this movie. I passed out by the third act. And Will took my notepad and started uh, writing down notes. Uh, so, would you like to know those notes? I mean, we're probably going to cut this, but yeah, I do, actually. It's, uh, uh, he said, Thomas the Tank Engine was hilarious. Got a nice chuckle when Scott uh, paddled across into the bug catcher. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. The bad guy yeah. has a false ending, doesn't he? They kill him uh, yep. for a few seconds with that, with that thing. Uh Will says, why can't everything be as creative as Act 3? And that was uh, in comparison to the first two acts. And I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, critique. I thought yeah. the first two acts were perfectly fine for what they were doing. And yeah, like you kind of want the big showstoppers to be at the end. Um, and yeah, the movie gets super creative by the third thing. And so, uh, interesting critique there. Uh, he says, subatomic is truly trippy. I thought it looked kind of just like a kaleidoscope. I didn't think. Yeah, that. I wasn't. It wasn't. I was expecting trippier. Um, I was a little bit disappointed. Uh, he says, "Who's ready for Cat Catwoman as the Wasp?" I don't oh, know. So what Michelle he means Pfeiffer by that. is. Michelle Pfeiffer is going to be playing Wasp. Um, I think, oh, really? I think for a while there was hoping that Catherine Zeta Jones would do it because that's Michael Douglas's actual wife. Uh, uh -huh. But no, it is going to be Michelle Pfeiffer who is going to be the adult the mother. So there's going to be, are they going to find her or are they going to do flashbacks? I'm going to, I have no idea actually. I'm going to guess they probably find her. Um, oh, that's going to be interesting. She, Hopefully she it ends up as a better movie than uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2. I know that's not a popular opinion, but I hated How to Train Your Dragon 2 and how they handled finding her mother and that. It was, was kind of, I love that movie, but that was definitely a weak part of the movie for sure. Um, and then they kill his father right away. It's just like. I, yeah, I don't much, know. I, I the thought much that was better those, character those were and the bad. much yeah, like it was just yeah, and then she like and then we all kind of pass it off as like oh yeah, she just totally left 
and abandoned her kid and we're like oh yeah that was the right thing to do it's like no and what what how yeah no it was yeah that was that was a weird that was weird things yeah so i she's technically actually in i guess there's an easter egg she's actually when he's in the subatomic realm she's apparently like you can see her silhouette in there somewhere so she she's in there and technically in this movie but um, Michelle I love Pfeiffer's? how they, I love how they like hide who she is because she's in the mask and stuff like that. And then they have a family picture of them, and the hat she's wearing is so fucking big it covers all of her <laughs> face. And you're just like, oh, that's clearly obviously so you can hire somebody later. It's like, yeah, oh, and like it's just like ridiculous hat that like nobody ever wears in real life. You're just like, yeah, yep, that's that's because you don't have an actress yet, do you, at Marvel? That's why. That's why. My uh, Will Dodds uh, says Michael Pena is 10 out of 10. And then he goes, best Marvel movie, 5.1 out of 5. So that's Will Dodds rating, just in case you guys were wondering. Again, probably should cut that because um, nobody <laughs> knows who Will Dodds is. I mean, we know who he is, what? but I appreciate, but I know Will Dodds and I appreciate his input, but I think the vast majority of people Oh, I'm not cutting out. I'm keeping that in. Nose. I'm keeping that in forever. I'm keeping this conversation in as well. Okay. And you're gonna have right. to deal. Um, I'm sorry, Will. It's nothing personal. <laughs> but if we were, we had a brief episode, and now this is not going to be brief anymore. Like we, we were good earlier, and then this happened, and I blame Kirk. Blame it on Will entirely. I blame it, I well, blame then, it on Will. You're the one who. You're the one who fell asleep. You ass. <laughs> Well, uh, next week we're gonna do Civil War, Captain America: Civil War. Yep. All right. I've been Kirk Peterson, and I am still Alex Potterbaum. And we'll see you next week, folks, on Pots versus Pigs. And Celsior. And Celsior. Get it? here with the credits. This episode was edited by the astonishing Will Dodds. The music was composed by the sensational Aquila Galusha. Your host has been the amazing Alex Potterbaum and the uncanny Kurt Peterson. The plot synopsis for Avengers Infinity War was brought to you by Edward Snowden. Thank you truly for listening. <laughs>